the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. China launches warplanes toward Taiwan in response to a supposed U.S.-Taiwan provocation. Xi Jinping is serious. Xi Jinping believes that Taiwan must be annexed during his rule. The latest Twitter drop reveals the federal government allegedly quashed COVID debate. Well, it, it, clearly the, the relationship was to suppress free speech. A growing number of economic experts warn of a coming recession in 2023. We do have a global reckoning coming. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, December 27th. I'm Jim Barto. On Monday, China deployed 71 warplanes into Taiwan's air defense zone as part of a drill that was conducted in response to what China claims are provocations by the U.S. and Taiwan. China's military staged a massive show of force this weekend aimed largely at Washington. Dozens of Chinese warplanes and ships crossed the unofficial boundary in the Taiwan Strait. China claims self-ruled Taiwan as its own and resents any foreign interference. Beijing said the weekend maneuvers were a response to Taiwan-related provisions in the U.S. defense spending bill that was passed over the weekend. President Biden signed the National Defense Authorization Act for 2023 back on December 23rd. That bill included military funding for Taiwan. Gordon Chang, author of The Coming Collapse of China, joins Fox News and says that it's time the world takes China's calls for reunification with Taiwan seriously. For decades, Chinese leaders have said that Taiwan, formerly the Republic of China, must be part of the People's Republic of China. And so the question is, well, what's new? Well, what's new is that in the past, Chinese leaders were just going through the motions when they talked about the island republic. Xi Jinping is serious. Xi Jinping believes that Taiwan must be annexed during his rule, what he calls the new era. And he's not only taking on Taiwan, he's taking on the United States. In May 2019, People's Daily published an editorial that declared a quote-unquote people's war on the U.S. And the regime was serious. Because since then, propaganda against the U.S. has been unrelenting, and it has been malicious. Chang says that, in his opinion, it's unbelievable that the U.S. is still engaging with a country that is committing genocide. Well, first of all, China doesn't have legitimate concerns. It's not a legitimate state, and we should stop treating it as such. Because, as you say, it is committing genocide, crimes against humanity, It deliberately spread COVID-19 beyond its borders. That's 6.7 million people outside of China who have died from a disease that should have never left the central part of that country. You know, we could go on and on, but clearly China is engaging in a series of acts which are destructive not only towards the United States, but the international community as a whole. And oh, by the way, Chinese leader Xi Jinping thinks he's the world's only legitimate ruler and that Moon and Mars are part of the People's Republic of China. 
I don't know, you know, it's just inconceivable that we're dealing with China in a way that we have. The coming collapse of China author explains why he believes Biden is dropping the ball when it comes to dealing with China. What Biden is trying to do is he's trying, as he says, to find areas of cooperation with China. And because of that, we are not promoting our own interests. We're not defending our own country. You know, you pointed out that Biden has had these five uh, phone and video conferences with Xi Jinping and one in-person chat last month at the G20. And he has never raised the issue of the origins of COVID-19. That's 1.1 million Americans almost that have been killed by this disease. I mean, that's an abrogation of his most solemn and fundamental constitutional duty, which is to defend the United States from foreign attack. So you're absolutely right. Um, Biden just uses the wrong language. He's not raising and not defending the United States. This is an abomination. Chang also took a moment to address reports that the Chinese-owned social media company TikTok has been tracking U.S. journalists. President Trump banned TikTok along with WeChat. Um, President Biden, one of the first things he did was he reversed that ban. We know that over a course of years, about three or four of them, um, TikTok has been making representations to the U.S. about how it doesn't allow data to be sent to China. And it's violated every single assurance it's given to the U.S. But it's not just stealing data. It is actually more serious that it is using the TikTok algorithm to uh, disseminate Chinese propaganda, uh, glorifying drug use, promoting violence on American streets, and this year disseminating Russian narratives about the Ukraine war. So this really is an attempt to undermine and actually even overthrow the U.S. government. And why we permitted, I don't know. India banned TikTok. We should do the same thing. According to Taiwanese officials, they are monitoring the situation and have tasked land-based missile systems to respond to the activity if necessary. Threats against U.S. electrical power stations seem to be growing. In Washington state, several power stations were vandalized over the holiday weekend, resulting in over 14,000 customers in Pierce County losing power. According to authorities, evidence points to a potential coordinated attack. Sergeant Darian Moss Jr. of the Pierce County Sheriff's Department says deputies got a burglary call for one of the Tacoma Public Utilities substations in the Graham area. They saw that the fence area had been broken into. It, it, the, in this one, the suspects cut one of the locks on the fence area, uh, made their way inside and caused damage to the substation, which ultimately knocked out power for a large amount of um, residents in the county. Moss says there were three power substation break-ins reported on Christmas Day. All three happened in the middle of the night on Christmas Day, causing power outages. Nothing was stolen from either or any of those facilities, um, so there's a good possibility they are related. Moss goes on to say that there's a good possibility that the three substation break-ins are related. We're going to be investigating to see if this was coordinated by a specific group or people. Similar attacks happened last month at a North Carolina facility, resulting in nearly 40,000 local residents losing power for days. The FBI has already launched a probe into that case. The Daybreak Insider podcast will update this story as more information becomes available. Over the holiday weekend, the latest batch of Twitter files, an attempt by new CEO Elon Musk to start his tenure at the social media giant with transparency, may show efforts by the FBI and the CIA to suppress ideas related to COVID-19 that were not favored by the government agencies.
Listen to this. The ninth installment of the Twitter files has been released. This time, dealing ha deal detailing how several government agencies interacted with the platform. Matt Taibbi saying, quote, the files show the FBI acting as doormen to a vast program of social media surveillance and censorship, encompassing agencies across the federal government from the State Department to the Pentagon to the CIA. He also says that more aggressive government partners had closed Twitter's window of independence for struggling to validate their claims of foreign interference. Free press writer David Zweig took to the social media platform and through a series of tweets, some including photos of internal files, showed how Twitter may have had their finger on the scale when in relation to the COVID debate while being instructed by the federal government. One tweet by Zweig read in part, quote, the United States government pressured Twitter and other social media platforms to elevate certain content and suppress other content about COVID-19, end quote. Zweig provided the example of Harvard Medical School epidemiologist Dr. Martin Kaldorf. Kaldorf posted that older adults should get vaccines, while younger people and those who have already had COVID should not get them. Zweig showed internal Twitter documents that seemed to suggest Twitter executives were discussing taking action against Kaldorf for speaking, quote, false information about the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccines, which goes against CDC guidelines, end quote. This came on the heels of another Twitter files drop by Matt Taibbi, who reported on the platform that the FBI had been acting as doormen to a vast program of social media surveillance and censorship using an 80-member task force called the Foreign Influence Task Force. Taibbi's reporting alleges that while the Foreign Influence Task Force was supposed to monitor international agents, they became conduit for domestic moderation requests. Matt Whitaker, the former acting attorney general, says that, in his opinion, the latest Twitter files shows the government found a back door to moderate free speech. Well, it, it, clearly the, the relationship was to suppress free speech. I mean, ultimately, it was under the guise of uh, reducing foreign influence, uh, I guess, in American elections, especially in 2020. But you just saw the DHS, DOD, uh, CIA, FBI, and, 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 and state governments, and the Democrat National Committee all had an, a door into Twitter that they could moderate uh, accounts that they disagreed with or felt were were uh, too effective in communicating uh, an opposing viewpoint to what they felt should be on the platform. And, you know, Twitter was clearly the right hand of uh, the federal government in moderating speech. Whitaker says that the big question that U.S. citizens should ask is why was this American agency monitoring the speech of Americans? Why were these accounts that were, you know, uh, sharing jokes, essentially, and memes uh, it had very few followers. Why were those coming on the FBI's radar? Why was this Foreign Influence Task Force spending their time moderating speech by Amer the Amer American people? I mean, the Supreme Court and the law is very clear. The speech is is uh, fairly broad. You know, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. But other than that, uh, there is a very broad ability of Americans to speak their minds. And in this case, you know, the, the FBI it seemed to want to clamp down on that. And, and now we're seeing it wasn't just the FBI. It was all of these other agencies as well. Whitaker goes on to explain that while he believes that agencies like the FBI still do a lot of good, they do need to do some soul searching. Well, I, I, 
I would guess that the FBI still feels they have an important role in foreign influence and making sure that our, these social media platforms aren't used uh, to harm the United States of America. But obviously, where that line is drawn, they've right. had a hard time and struggle with that. So I would imagine they're going to do some soul searching to make sure that they aren't infringing on uh, Americans' rights to free speech. More buses from Texas with migrants arrived this weekend in the nation's capital. Daybreak Insider's Shelley Adler has more. Local organizers in Washington say three buses of recent migrant families arrived from Texas near the home of Vice President Kamala Harris on a very cold Christmas Eve. Texas authorities have not confirmed their involvement, but the bus drop-offs are in line with previous actions calling attention to the Biden administration's immigration policies. With temperatures hovering around 15 degrees, Organizers had buses ready to take the migrants to a church where they stayed overnight. Most of the arrivals were headed to other destinations and expected to remain in Washington only briefly. I'm Shelley Adler. A growing number of economic experts are predicting a rough year for the U.S. economy in 2023. Wall Street seems to be focusing on how inflation still isn't cooling, while the Fed continues to raise rates. Firms projecting at least a mild recession include BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, Barclays, and Oxford Economics. Fund managers in a Bank of America global research survey named a deep global recession and persistently high inflation as the market's biggest risks, with a net 68% forecasting a downturn as likely in the next year. Rebecca Walser, financial and tax expert, joins the Salem Radio Network and says that things aren't looking so good for 2023. We do have a global reckoning coming, and there's nothing that's going to stop this reckoning. The U.S. dollar is in great jeopardy, and we will have an impact on the U.S. financial markets. And so we are very bearish at this time, and people should really prepare for that. Walser tells the Salem Radio Network that while she understands the Biden administration needs to put on a good face, it's a falsehood. The administration needs to put their best face forward, even if it's false and it's not true. I, I hate to you know, be the bearer of bad macroeconomic news, but uh, we, we have a global uh, realignment of countries, of reserve systems, of everything we've known to be true for the last, certainly since 1974, but certainly for the last 50 years. And I would even suggest maybe going back to 1913 when the Federal Reserve was chartered as a private corporation. There are reports China is in talks with Saudi Arabia to trade for oil in the yuan, cutting out the United States. Finance expert Rebecca Walser says that's something that's been in the works for a while. The BRICS nations have been working for 20 years towards alternative to the dollar as a global reserve, and they are ready to go. Walser goes on to say that Saudi Arabia has already begun to pivot away from the U.S. Saudi Arabia announced last month that they view China as their number one economic partner, bar none. They look at the United States as any other economic partner, no different than anyone else. Retailers are scoring one win in the government-wide spending bill. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew has more on this story. 
The $1.7 trillion funding package contains legislation that will force online marketplaces like Amazon and Facebook to verify high-volume sellers amid heightened concerns about retail theft. Brick-and-mortar retailers have been voicing concerns about the amount of goods being stolen from their stores and subsequently sold online. The bill, called the Inform Act, compels online marketplaces to verify tax ID and other information for sellers who make at least 200 unique sales and earn a minimum of $5,000 in a given year. Bob Agner reporting. About three dozen people across the U.S. have died in the storm that left much of the country in a deep freeze. Daybreak Insider's Julie Walker has more on this story. More than four inches of snow in Buffalo and continuing to fall. That's where seven people have died so far. Erie County Executive Mark Pollencars. Some were found in cars and some were found actually on the street. The storm nearly unprecedented from the Rio Grande to the Great Lakes. Some of those places are um, in in dire straits, really, with the snowfall. National Weather Service meteorologist Richard Otto. It's still below zero across a good portion of the north central U.S. FlightAware showing 1,600 cancellations Christmas morning. And those who took to the roads to get around not much better. Stuck, abandoned cars, or accidents. I'm Julie Walker. And finally... Rarely does one person have the opportunity to save another's life. Rarer still is the opportunity to save two lives in one day. Cardiologist Dr. Steve Loam was running the Monterey Bay Half Marathon in California back in November. Around the third mile, runner Gregory Gonzalez fell down in front of Loam, who then began CPR. Loam recounts the moment Gonzalez fell. I saw a runner collapse, and I could tell pretty clearly it wasn't just a trip or a simple fainting spell. It was a sudden collapse, and um, he hit his head on the pavement. Gonzalez and Loam recount their life-changing encounter. I believe we went up an incline, so to speak. I looked to the right, and I decided, oh my gosh, or I thought to myself, oh my gosh, it's downhill for a little bit. I go, great. That's all I remember. Quickly, we were able to start CPR and a couple other uh, passersby ended up uh, stopping to help. I woke up in an ambulance, what I thought was an ambulance. I knew he was uh, doing okay on the way to the hospital, so I, I made the decision to continue to run the race. So away I went, uh, and the, uh, the rest of the race was pretty uneventful and, until the finish line. At the finish line, the same thing happened again, but this time it was Michael Heileman who fell to the ground, hitting his head. I crossed the finish line and then I, you know, took about, you know, 10, 10 steps past it and I started to feel dizzy. So I grabbed onto the rail and I was like, oh man, I, you know, must have pushed a little too hard. I crossed the finish line, tired, of course, uh, threw my arms up in the air, yay, you know, finished. And um, then I heard somebody say, we need some help over here. I quickly went over there uh, and again, he had a Another person was down, had a head wound, and was completely unresponsive, no pulse, not breathing. I started doing CPR. I was like, oh, I passed out, so there's a bunch of people around, and then, you know, okay, I can just get up and go, you know, continue the day. And then he's like, I need to get up. And then we said, no, no, you don't, you're not getting up. Uh, you just literally died, and, and we got you back. Later, both men learned that they had blockages that led to cardiac arrests and receive stents in their coronary arteries. Gonzalez is thankful every day that Loam was there to save his life. There's not a day that goes by that I don't 
have tears of joy, absolute joy. The three men keep in touch and are planning on running the same half marathon next year together. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Jim Barto. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.